Welcome. My name is Jesse and you are listening to The Wake Up Call. This show is about opening your eyes to how you've been living, bringing awareness to the standard you've been operating at, and helping you start living to your full potential. There are two ways I'll help you do this. One, by disciplining your mind, and two, by strengthening your body. It's time to take stock of your current performance and go to the next level. Let's do this. Guys and girls, welcome back to a fresh episode of The Wake Up Call. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about mobility, specifically range of motion and how we can improve yours. Now, this topic was requested by a former student of mine. He wanted to know, you know, Jesse, what are some ways to, you know, improve your range of motion? So I added it to my show notes because I thought it'd be a great topic for discussion. And also the fact that I haven't gone into this topic at length yet. And that's what today's episode is all about is exploring the wide wonderful world of mobility and joint range of motion now range of motion is important for a few different reasons it can be a key to moving better feeling better getting out of pain and also getting stronger because you see when you have insufficient range of motion when you don't have enough motion or mobility at a specific joint or part of your body. Your body's pretty smart and it's gonna acknowledge, okay, I don't have enough range of motion or movement here. How do I get around it? How am I gonna you know, fix that? How am I gonna get around that problem? And basically what happens is it'll steal mobility from somewhere else where it shouldn't, which can lead to maladaptive postures, so the body doing things and spending time in positions that it shouldn't, it can lead to incorrect motor patterns. So your body basically just moving improperly, incorrectly, and also recruiting wrong muscle groups. So it's not solely about motion or mobility or lack of mobility. Sometimes it can actually be a lack of strength and the two kind of go hand in hand. You need to have adequate mobility and movement but you also need the stability and the control. So with great range of motion comes great responsibility, but with a lack of mobility also comes a responsibility to acquire it. So that's what we're gonna talk about in today's episode. And there are a few key joints or body parts that people lack mobility in, okay? And it's different for guys and girls as well, men and women have slightly different areas that they need work on, okay? So some of it is um, just body structures, you know? It's my experience that men are super tight through the hips, okay? We're not designed for childbearing, okay? Women are. So that is a physiological, um, I'm not gonna say like a limitation, but it's a, it's a predisposi predisposition um, and how your structure is built. So you can't decide that you perhaps want longer arms or longer legs. You've got what you've got. So you've got to have some anthropometry to deal with, all right? Your structure is your structure. It doesn't mean that, hey, you put your hands up in the air and say, oh, well, that's it for me. I don't have the body size or shape that I want. And by size and shape, I'm talking about bone structure, not, you know, how big or how small you are. 
Okay, so let's dive into it, guys, because I think you're gonna get a lot out of this episode. This is really the key to moving well and feeling good, is having the right amount of joint mobility. Not too much and not too little. It's the Goldilocks zone. We want it to be just right. So, having sufficient joint mobility is gonna determine how well or poorly you move. It's going to dictate the exercise selection, so which exercises you do and which ones you don't. So it's not always about adding extra things into your program. Sometimes it can be a matter of subtracting and deleting exercises out of the program. And also it's gonna determine how heavy you can lift safely. You know, I'm, I am all about lifting heavy weights. I want you to get strong. I want you to be able to, you know, lift big weights and move, you know, heavy dumbbells and swing kettlebells and all of that. But if your body and your joint structure and your mobility isn't actually capable of doing it, it's going to be detrimental to your joint health and your performance. So it's very important that you pick the right exercise for your current level of mobility and the range of motion that your joints do and don't have. So yeah, I guess you could say it's a pretty big deal. All right, so range of motion, what is it? In order for us to know what to improve, we have to define what it is. Range of motion is how far a body part can move from a fixed point in one or more directions. So if you're a regular listener, you would understand that certain joints have specific functions and other joints have other functions. So, you know, your body does different shit. Not all joints do the same thing, okay? So your shoulder has seven functions that it can do. Your elbow has two. You know, that's why we don't want the elbow to do the same thing as the shoulder and also vice versa. They don't have the same capacity. They're completely different types of joints, which means they're gonna do completely different types of things. And they can handle different amounts of stress and positions. And if you start to confuse them and get your wires crossed, that's when you can end up with an injury where this joint is doing something that it's not designed to do and vice versa. Or maybe you're putting the amount of stress that this can handle on this joint. And again, that's not gonna to lead to a favorable outcome. You'll probably end up with an injury of some sort. So very important to understand what joint does what action and how much stress and load and reps and fatigue and capacity that it can handle, all right? So if we understand range of motion as being the distance or the motion or the positions or the directions that it can move in, it's going to influence how well or poorly you as a whole move. Does that make sense? So what I mean is, as I said, the shoulder joint has seven functions that it can do, seven things it can do. If your shoulder can only access three, four, or five of those positions, you are at a deficit. Your body is missing several key positions and functions which means that you're gonna to have to find a solution. Your body is smart enough where it's like, okay, I can't access this position or get into this angle. So I'm gonna find a workaround. I'm gonna find a way to cheat the system. I can't do these two, so let's find another way. It's fairly creative, okay? It doesn't always mean it's the right thing to do or in your best interest long-term. It just means for this task or this 
exercise or this activity right now, I've got to get creative. I've got to find a different way to do it. And if it's not the right way to do it, uh, it's probably going to be unsafe and incorrect, which is why range of motion is important. We want all of our joints to do what they're designed to do. Now, range of motion determines your movement quality and how much or little your body will compensate or cheat to produce the movement at a desired location. For example, a classic one is shoulder mobility. Do you have the capacity to lift your arm up overhead or are you kind of stuck here with your hand out in front and not being able to get the arm completely vertical? If you can't lift your arm completely up over your head, you probably shouldn't be doing overhead pressing with most tools, especially a barbell. If you can't get your arm where it's completely straight up and down over your body, you know, military pressing might be off the table. You might be able to do an incline press. You might be able to do a high incline press where you're not completely at 90 degrees. Maybe you've got a back rest, but maybe you're at 75 or 80 degrees. And this is the key, is identifying where your limitations are and working around them. Not saying, oh, I can't press overhead, so no, no pressing at all for me. Pouty face. No, it's a matter of saying, okay, I'm currently restricted in this angle. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to just back things off a little bit, work to a little bit of a lesser degree, and then I'm going to build it up from there. That's intelligent training. If you can't raise your arm overhead, why not? It's likely because you never take your arm through that range of motion in daily life. So as a result, your body, the muscles, the ligaments, the tendons, the tissues, they have all adapted to that. And now you are unable to do it. So I think a good example is if you look at a young child, you know, get them to do something, get them to put their arms overhead. You'll see just how much joint laxity they have, just how much range of motion they have. They have a surplus. Most kids, most children have more range of motion than they require. And you'll find that they often cannot control it. Let me repeat that. You will find most kids, most children have more than enough range of motion, but they cannot control it. This is down to a lack of strength and stability. Now, because kids move in a variety of directions and get into all kinds of weird shapes and positions, they can do shit that probably you and I cannot. And it's just due to exposure. They move themselves in different ways and therefore they can move their joints in different ways. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, me saying that, but that's how the body fucking works. If you never place your arms overhead in day-to-day -day life, at work, in your training, in a vocation, in a hobby or anything like that, don't be surprised when you can't lift your arms overhead. It's an adaptive position. Your body has adapted to not going overhead because you haven't asked it to go overhead. Therefore, you lose the capacity to bring your arms overhead. Can we see how that works? You get good at what you practice and you get bad at what you don't practice. So if that's you, if you, if you have poor mobility through the shoulder, if your range of motion at the shoulder joint sucks, if you can't get your arm up overhead, my recommendation 
uh, would be start incorporating some movements that put your shoulder through a good range of motion, forwards, backwards, up and down, side to side. Like I said, your shoulder joint has seven functions. Let's start exploring them. Um, it may not be completely vertical just yet. So I'm not saying there's no pressing. I'm saying you're probably not going to vertical press. You're not going to do a strict press with a bar. You may not be doing shoulder press with dumbbells. You're probably not going to strict press a kettlebell. And that's fine. You're not going to be ready for that yet. But if you're intelligent about how you train, and maybe you do some push-ups, maybe you do some downward dog poses, you get some upward rotation, you get some movement in a more vertical position than you're used to, you will find you can start accessing more of it. If we start opening up your thoracic spine, getting a little bit more extension, a bit more arch through the upper back, you're going to bleed that into the shoulder joint. And even hanging from a bar, access a pull-up bar and just hang from it. Firm grip, double overhand grip, you pick the width and just hang from a bar. And you'll find that's as vertical as you could possibly get. This is one of the best things you can do for shoulder health and shoulder mobility, all right? One of the absolute best things you can do for shoulder mobility is hang from a bar. Go down to your playground, go to a chin-up bar or pull-up bar and just hang. Pick your preferred grip, narrow, medium, wide. That's your choice. Go upon what feels comfortable for you and just hang there. Straight arms. Do it for time. Do it for 10 seconds. Do it for 20 seconds. Do it for 30 seconds. An option that I like is to do it for breaths. Because if you do it for time, you're always kind of looking at the clock. One, two, three, or, you know, you see the clock, five, six, seven, eight, nine. But if you do it for breaths, small inhale, exaggerate the exhale, you'll actually start to relax the muscles. You'll stop tensing everything up and tightening and contracting and you're gonna relax nice and loose. The only thing that's tight is the hands and the grip to connect you to that bar. So from the side view, you're as straight as can be. Hands, so it goes wrist, elbow, shoulder, hips, knees, ankles, forming a completely straight line. That's as vertical as you can get, hanging from a barbell, or hanging from a chin-up bar, I should say. But you must expose your body and joints to the positions and angles that you currently cannot access. Slowly but surely, you increase the difficulty. And by difficulty, I mean, let's go from being, you know, doing like a chest press where that's not overhead at all. That's horizontal pressing. If we want a vertical press, if we want to press directly overhead, we have to slowly start transitioning away from horizontal presses into vertical presses. So it could be an inclined press. Barbell, chest, uh, barbell, dumbbell, that's your call. It may even be a landmine press where that's a true 45 degree angle press. You've got a barbell in the landmine attachment. You're pressing and reaching. You're getting some good scapular motion. Your shoulder blade is moving naturally as it's designed to move through space. So there's nothing impeding, you know, your ability to press freely. You can choose the angle. That's great thing about the landmine is you're not fixed in one plane of motion. You've got a bit of flexibility to choose your ideal path within reason based upon your structure. So 
If you've got naturally tight shoulders, you might press at a slightly different angle to me. Like a lot of the principles will be the same. At the top, we want a fully extended elbow. I wanna make sure that you're reaching slightly so we get some upward rotation. Not a shrug, but a little bit of upward rotation of the shoulder blade. These are things you can start to build upon. Can't get my arm up overhead just yet. Okay, let's build a plan. Let's be methodical about it. And let's start to go from not being able to press overhead to being able to press overhead. Cool? Awesome. So I'm gonna use myself as an example here. I myself have terrible, terrible hip mobility. My internal and external rotation is dreadful. It's dog shit, all right? Uh, ever since I was a kid, I have found it incredibly hard to sit cross-legged. It just does not feel good for my hips. I still remember being in like year three or four and was sitting cross-legged doing something and I just had to keep shifting and moving myself because I was getting this nagging front of hip pain. And this is as a kid. So maybe it's structural, but what I'm doing is saying, okay, I've got the hips that I've got. My, my bony hip structure is my bony hip structure. What else can I do? What's in my control and my power that I can actually work on? So maybe it's structural. That's cool. But one of the things that I'm starting to do is expose my hips to different ranges of motion, different positions, different angles. And I'm doing it on a more regular basis. I've got a two-year-old daughter and she's fairly small. She likes to do things on the ground. Um, so I got to spend a bit more time on the ground, sitting in different positions. And it forces me to do the thing that I don't like to do and that I'm not good at. So sitting is becoming a little bit less painful, a little bit less uncomfortable. Hmm, that's weird. Again, you get good at what you expose your body to. So if you lack hip mobility, what are some things that you can actively work on to challenge your hip mobility? Is it sitting on the ground more often? Is it doing some hip flexor stretching? Is it stretching your quadriceps? Another thing that I've been doing is a mobility drill. These are called kneeling TARS. So CARS is an acronym. It stands for Controlled Articular Rotations. And if you want to see what they look like, go to my YouTube channel. Just type in Fuller Strength and Conditioning. So F-U-L-L-A, Strength and Conditioning, and type in Kneeling CARS, C-A-R-S. All right. And I do these three times a week. I do it before my strength training. And I remember when I first started, oh my God, my hips felt real clunky, real grisly, super ropey and I'd grab and just feel uncomfortable. But I've been persisting. I've been doing it. I said to myself, no, hip mobility sucks. No, it doesn't. It's shit. <laughs> and I've just been doing it on a consistent basis for the last probably four weeks. And it's gone from shit to suck, which is pleasing. I've, I've improved. It's not great, but it's better. And that's what I'm chasing. I'm just trying to get a little bit better. It's literally like trying to put WD-40 or like a, a silicon spray into the joints. Move it around. Three words. Move it around. That's what I'm trying to do in a variety of positions because just like the shoulder, your hip has the ability to do seven different things, seven actions. And if you don't have access to all seven, your body's going to find a solution. It's going to find a different way to move. 
And more often than not, that comes from the area above or below it, which happens to be two of the most common sites of injury and pain, hips, uh, pardon me, lower back and knees. So if the hips don't work, your body's gonna steal movement from the next available site, your lower back or your knee joint. Does that make sense? Cool. So I'm doing some things to try and actively work on improving my range of motion where I know I have limited range of motion, okay? This comes down to what's called the said principle. The said principle stands for specific adaptations to imposed demands. You get good at what you practice and you get bad at what you don't practice. What a stunning revelation. I know that's like mic drop. In saying that, it's 100% true. If you lack joint mobility and you don't move your body in three dimensions, forwards, backwards, left and right, side to side, your body's not gonna be able to do these things. Most people live in one dimension. It's called the sagittal plane, forwards, backwards. They, they walk, they reach, they do things forwards, backwards, they reach over the head, but it's all in this line that's, it's, it's in a straight line, it's literally in front of you. And how often do you do something that requires you to go backwards? Very, very, very little. So if we call it six directions, forwards, backwards, left, right, and then some rotational capacity in both directions, there's six, you do one out of six. You're missing a lot of movement in a lot of different directions here. So that's what happens to your body, to your mobility, and to your range of motion. All right? Range of motion comes down to this. Use it or lose it. Ask yourself, how much time are you dedicating to putting your body through different positions and shapes? Are you just traveling in one direction, forwards, backwards, never doing anything that requires you to go left and right, or incorporating any twisting or rotating? Do you strength train on a consistent basis doing the big four movement patterns, push, pull, hinge, squat? Because like I mentioned, there's three planes of motion. The sagittal plane in front of you, the frontal plane sideways, and the transverse plane, rotational, twisting. So if you're not doing these things, you've got to answer this. If you're not doing any of it, just get some. Go from none to some. If you're doing some, get to more. And if you're already doing lots, get to better. All right, quality over quantity. But if you have no quantity, that's your starting point. Go from zero to some. If you've got some, go to more. And if you're doing more or you're doing lots already, make it better. Make it of high quality. Make it of high value. So just like... You know, there's different protein sources out there. You know, some ingredients and some food items have low amounts of protein. Others have higher amounts of protein. It's like grades of steak. You can get some real fatty pieces of steak and they're super cheap. Why? Because the cut or the grade of meat is very low. And then you get some real expensive, some real high quality, lean, high, high protein cuts of meat. Because again, they're of higher value, higher quality, higher grade. So that's what we're chasing. It's not just more for the sake of it. Make it fucking count. 
Now, in saying that, sometimes the answer isn't just, you know, do more stretching, do more mobility work, where you take your body and your joint through motion in multi-direction. Oftentimes, a lack of range of motion comes down to one of the following things, okay? Now, you may want to take notes on this and write this down, so <laughs> listen up. Range of motion, a lack of range of motion can also be disguised as one of the following. Poor movement patterns. So that is an inability to dominate the basic movement patterns, push, pull, hinge, squat. So I'm talking simple, fundamental movements like push-ups, squats, lunges, rows, simple things that every single human being on the planet should be able to do. Can you do these things and can you do them really well to a high standard over and over and over again, even when you're fatigued? Another thing that could be contributing to your lack of range of motion and feeling tight or stiff all the time is a lack of strength. It prevents muscles from doing their work, okay? If you don't have great hamstring strength, your hips aren't going to want to go past a certain position because they just don't have the strength to get there. So you've got to actually build them up. It's not always stretch, stretch, stretch. Sometimes it needs to be strengthen, strengthen, strengthen. Maybe it's just incredibly weak. Hamstrings are the classic example. Very, very prevalent in athletes, but also men, some women as well, I'm not just picking on guys. But most men, complain of tight hamstrings and with tight hamstrings often gets coupled with oh i've got a bit of a sore or a dodgy lower back but these same guys who report tight hamstrings and oh a little bit of lower back pain a little bit of lower back discomfort they've got zero strength in their posterior chain the hamstrings and glutes the muscles responsible for some very important movement at the hip joint so if you couple super weak hammies and super weak butt muscles with an inability to hip hinge properly, it gives you the perception of tight hamstrings. So I'm not saying your hamstrings aren't tight. I'm saying you thoroughly believe that your hamstrings are tight. But I also would like evidence to back up that statement and that fact. And if you can't hinge properly, that's a red flag. You can do all the toe touches you want in the world. You can do all of the seated and standing hamstring stretches you want until you're old and gray. But it won't help. It's not going to help. You can do all of the seated, standing, or variety of hamstring stretches you want, but it's not going to make your hamstrings any longer if you're doing them improperly with the wrong technique. And yes, there is actually a technique to stretching and mobility work. It's true. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. So if you're doing a seated hamstring stretch, you know, the classic sit on the floor, put your leg out the front and you try and reach towards it and your back's rounded, what do you think you're actually doing? What do you think you're accomplishing? It's not a hamstring that's, that's moving or that's lengthening. It's your spine. All you're doing is rounding your back to try and get a few extra centimetres or get closer to, you know, touching your toes. How about you sit up with a perfectly neutral spine and then hinge at the hips. You fold 
or bend forwards from the hips and then try and reach your toes. Do you know what will happen? You won't get nearly as far, but it'll be way more effective. And this is the thing. We're not chasing the biggest stretch known to fucking man here. We're chasing a good quality movement at the appropriate site. If we're working a hip joint, let's work a hip joint. If we're targeting a hamstring, let's target a hamstring. So I mean, target a hamstring, like zero in on it, isolate it. If you're doing the good old fashioned seated hamstring stretch and your back is rounded like, you know, the fucking, you know, a bridge that's fucking supporting all of this weight or a fucking rainbow where your back's just completely rounded, you are missing the forest for the trees. You're, you're completely off base. Do it with your back straight. Imagine there's a broomstick tied to your fucking back from top to bottom, from the back of your head, down through to your sacrum, right above your butt crack, and then do your fucking hamstring stretch and see if it feels different. Chances are it will feel way different. You'll probably feel a stretch at a considerably shorter range of motion. And that's the point. We're targeting the right muscle at the right area using the right technique. Otherwise, you'll just keep flexing your lumbar spine to the point where you, air quotes, feel a stretch. It's all ego. It's not even it's not even including weights here, but that's ego. You're just trying to reach your, reach for your fucking foot. How about instead of reaching as far as you can at any and all cost, you do it properly. Do it with that neutral spine, and you might find your hands can only reach to your knee. And if that's as far as they go, that's as far as they go, my friend. If you can only grab two hands at your thigh and you hold on with a perfectly straight back, that's as far as you go. That's proper form. That's the, that's the technique we're chasing. If you happen to get a little bit more flexible and a bit more mobile, you might find, hey, I'm at mid-shin. But if your back starts rounding, that's your body cheating. It's compensating. Okay, I don't have enough motion here. Where else can I take it from? Do not let your body start to deteriorate and break down from what is acceptable and proper technique. Don't care if it's a strength exercise or a mobility drill. The concept is the fucking same. So what happens? Let me explain this to you. What happens when you do a seated hamstring stretch? You know, you're sitting down and you've got your leg out and you're reaching forward and you round your back is that all of the muscles in your back, they get very long. You're not stretching your hamstrings. All you're doing is lengthening and stretching your upper and or lower back to reach further, okay? As a byproduct, this will produce long and weak erector muscles. I'm not talking about an erection. I'm talking about the erectors. These muscles here that run vertically down your spine, just above the glutes, they get very long, but also weak. It also means that there's no abdominal strength. You're literally, these guys here, your abdominals are on vacation. They've taken a hiatus. They've disappeared. Nowhere to be found. It also means there's zero trunk stability. You don't know how to tie your upper body to your lower body. You just let it do whatever the fuck it wants to do without any control or repercussions. And it also means that you have no skill in the hip hinge. You don't know how to use your hips. Consequence, lower back pain, tight hamstrings. Fuck.
I thought stretching was just stretching. <laughs> not when I'm around, it's not. Good mobility is good mobility, and shit mobility is shit mobility. Don't bullshit a bullshitter. You know when you're doing something correctly. Do you know? Do you know how I know? It gets harder. That's generally how I know when somebody's doing something the right way. The difficulty goes up, the concentration goes up, and the difficulty level goes up. So my greatest recommendation for you would be to have a well-planned and thought-out strength and conditioning program that addresses all of the big four movement patterns. Push, pull, hinge, squat. Work the front of your muscles, but the front side, work the back side. Work the left side, work the right side. Work the top, work the bottom. Create strength and mobility everywhere. Once you have this nice solid foundation across your entire body, universally, then you can start cherry picking. Then you can start worrying about, okay, what's an area I need to work on? Okay, ankles are a bit stiff. That's limiting my ability to do deep squats or lunges or step ups or just you know, prevent my toes from turning way the fuck out when I do those exercises. Hey, then I might start actually zeroing in on it. But start to master the basics. Don't care how old or young you are. Don't care how strong you think you are. The basics never get fucking boring when you're concentrating on them. And if you are concentrating on them and you still think it's boring, lift heavier. Do you know what's really fun? Lifting heavy shit properly, the right way. Because when you do that, you feel good. You work fucking hard and you get the results. You build strength, you get more muscle, you become more powerful and your body doesn't feel like shit. It moves really well all the time, like a well-oiled machine. So that's what you're looking for. Perfect your exercise technique from the most mundane and boring exercises that you can possibly think of, whether it's a push-up, whether it's a, oh, it's only a bodyweight squat. Take it fucking seriously. Take pride in what you do so that you can advance to the more exciting muscles and the exciting exercises and the more exciting exercise progressions you don't get the right to just advance because you've been doing it for a certain number of time no you can be training for 15 years and if your form stole shit i don't give a fuck you're going back to basics my friend just because you've done your time classic example of people who've been in a workplace for a long time and think they should be running the place because they've been here longer than the owner yet don't know shit you don't have any fucking skill. They just punch the clock. That's entitled mindset. Not a chance. Not with me. No, sir. And you're entitled to what you can demonstrate. If you can demonstrate ass to grass squatting, terrific. If you can demonstrate half squats with good form, hey, that's fine. You start where you're at and then you progress. Then you build. Prove your capacity. No matter how long you've been in the iron game for, whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or whether you think you're an advanced lifter, that these are principles. They don't discriminate. They, they, they're, they're the same fucking rule. The rules apply for everybody. You are not the exception. Okay? So that's my prescription for you. 
move really well and move on a consistent basis. So this also may mean getting a just a general, a global higher level of activity and become less sedentary. Because if all you do is sit down eight fucking hours a day, what do you think is going to happen? Your body's going to reciprocate. You will have tight hips. Your hip flexors will feel tight. Your hamstrings will feel tight. Your lower back's going to feel like shit. And everything's going to be hard because you sit down for fucking one third of the day. So you, you get up in the morning, you have you sit down, you have your breakfast. Then you sit in your car and you drive yourself to work where you sit down and then you do it all again to get home. And once you're home, you sit down some more. So how about let's increase a bit of fucking activity? Yeah, let's get less sedentary. Let's get you off the fucking couch. Let's get you off the fucking chair. Let's get you off your comfy seat. Get your 10,000 steps in. Oh, Jesse, that seems like a lot of steps. Well, it is if you're not used to fucking moving. The body, my body, your body, the human body is designed to move. So how's about you fucking move it? Get your 10,000 steps in. Increase your incidental activity. Every man and their dog wants to park as close as they can to the fucking entrance, whether it be work, whether it be to your local Woolworths or Coles, whether it be to your fucking local shopping center. How about you park the furthest away from the fucking entrance as possible? Well, I don't want to do that. It's too far. That's your, pro that's your problem. That's why you don't have the joint mobility that you do want. It's because you're always looking for a motherfucking shortcut. How about you take the long way around? That incidental activity will add up to your 10,000 step count. <laughs> so two birds, one stone. Go rucking. And again, that leads to the 10,000 step count. You're welcome. How about you get some fucking weight off? If you want to, I was reading a post from uh, one of the 30 odd people that I follow on social media. His name is Dr. Pat Davidson. He is a fucking animal. He's, a, he's got a PhD. He's very smart. He makes me feel very dumb and in, inadequate about my level of knowledge. But this man, and he also trains like a fucking beast. He trains like a fucking animal. Very smart. And he knows his shit. And he trains like an absolute animal. What a combination. He is competing in his first bodybuilding show very soon. And he put up a post about how he has actually found his ability to move and his range of motion has increased as his weight has come down. And it's not a consequence. So the post that I am referencing here, he's got a white singlet on, he's got shorts, some short shorts because he's doing squats with a barbell uh, and he's squatting all the fucking way down and all the way up. And you can see the intensity on his face. He's fucking pushing and his quads are stretching. You can see the striations. You can see the separation in the muscles. So the quadriceps, there's four muscles. Quad means four. You can see them. You can see the vastus medialis. You can see the vastus lateralis. You can see that V shape in between. You can see the teardrop muscle. You can see the fucking veins popping out. And he reports that due to losing a shit ton of weight and getting extremely lean, his range of motion has increased. And that does not surprise me. When you get weight off, the body generally starts to feel and move better. So if you're carrying around, you know, that spare tire, maybe it's time to get it off. Maybe it's time to wheel it down the fucking road, you know? And by wheel it down the road, I mean, get stepping, 10,000 steps, incidental activity, go rucking, lift shit, move well, do it on a regular basis.
So to sign off guys, the bottom line for joint mobility and increasing range of motion is this. This is the big ticket item. Motion is lotion. The more you give your body generally, the better you will feel. So very fucking important that you do the right things and you do those things on a consistent basis. You get good at what you practice, you get shit at what you don't. So that right there should give you a very specific idea of where you're at. If you're super sedentary, maybe it's time to get a bit more active. If you're already super active and you still lack the range of motion that you want, you're probably doing the wrong shit or the shit you are doing is of shit quality. So technique matters <laughs> on everything, whether it be your warm-up set, whether it be your muscle activation before you train, whether it be your joint mobility post-training, whether it be a recovery session where you go for a walk and you just do a series of light movement to recover and speed up that process to get rid of DOMS and muscle soreness. And just because you want to be a high-functioning human, Wow, that was quite a long episode. <laughs> but I hope it's given you guys a very detailed insight into range of motion, what it is, what it isn't, uh, why you don't always need an excess. So sometimes it's not about more. It's about having more controllable range of motion. So if you're just super flexible, but you can't control that flexibility, that's a problem. That's a recipe for injury. So Yes, increase range of motion where you need it so your body doesn't compensate or steal movement from the areas it shouldn't be using. But make sure you can stabilize it as well. And a good way to test if you have the stability is through strength training. Put your body through motion. And once you can do that well, add load. That is a very, very simple way to increase your range of motion. So... Just to finish off, guys, I, I want to say thank you to uh, to Dashi for uh, providing that request and that topic for today's podcast. I appreciate it. If you have a topic or a question that you would like me to unravel, please let me know. You can do that via my social media or on my website under the podcast um, tab. If you scroll down, there is an opportunity for you to input a topic or a question that you would like me to dive into. So that is always at your disposal. And I'm always on the lookout for new ideas that I perhaps have overlooked or didn't think of. So thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate your time and attention for the last 42 minutes. Now go forth, stretch if you need a stretch, do some joint mobility, whether it's the kneeling cars or whether it's hanging from a bar or whether it's just getting stronger in the positions that you are currently weak. So go forth, get mobile, and get strong as well. If you loved the Wake Up Call, found it entertaining, or got some benefit out of listening, I would appreciate you helping me to spread the word. Please share it with a friend or on social media so that you can pay it forward and give someone else the opportunity to improve themselves like you just have. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon for another episode.